Hey everyone, welcome back to Feminism Stuff. This is Anjali. Today's episode is actually going to be a voting roundtable that I put together with some of my friends. And so all the topics discussed today will be pertaining to voting and also elections in the U.S. So yeah, please enjoy. Good morning and thank you all for joining us today. My name is Marcy Rosner and I am happy to be hosting this program on behalf of the League of Women Voters of Burlington County. The League of Women Voters is a nonpartisan political grassroots organization. We do not endorse or support any candidate. Our mission is to encourage the informed and active participation of citizens in government and influence public policy through education and advocacy. Now I am pleased to introduce our high school intern, Anjali Dorji. She will be explaining the format today's, for today's roundtable and leading the discussion. Hi everyone, my name is Anjali Darji. I am the host of the Feminism Stuff podcast in conjunction with the League of Burlington League of Women Voters of Burlington County, we will be having a voting roundtable. So today is 9-11 and in acknowledgement of that, we would like to have a 10 second moment of silence. Thank you, and now let's get into it. So, in New Jersey, 17-year-olds can pre-register to vote. When the time comes, do you believe you will vote? Do we start? Kayla, Yes, start. I will definitely vote, yeah. Okay, and Antonio? Absolutely. Yeah. Lori? Yeah. 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 Okay, that's great, guys. <laughs> um, so, that is our first question, and let's just go around and introduce everyone really quick. Sherry, would you like to start? I'm Sherry Darji, and I'm 13 years old. I'm Lorena Wilson, and I'm 16. I'm Antonio Conover, and I'm 17. I'm Kayla Reed, and I'm 15. Okay, so uh, let's get back into it. Why or why not do you believe it is important to vote? Kayla, would I'll you start? start? Sure. Um, I think it's really important to vote because it's the common man's way of um, participating in democracy, uh, in whether it's direct or representative. Antonio? I second that notion, and ultimately, too, with us now being the younger generation, this is where our voices are really going to matter as we continue to age. Once we hit the legal age of voting, I believe we all should become registered and make our voices heard through the election. Yeah, so just piggy piggybacking off of what Antonio said, I feel like us being younger, like our future is ahead of us, so it's very important that like I think all of us should vote as soon as we can, like the younger generations, because like I said, like it's our future now. Um, I think voting really helps you express yourself, and I really think that um, when the time comes, I will vote because it expresses myself. I express myself in that way. So. Okay. Nice, nice. I mean, personally, I really feel like our generation is really empowered to vote, especially like due to recent events and how we really feel. And it's a really important like civic duty to do that. So I'm glad you guys agree with me. Um, so. We're gonna get into like a more democracy focus here. Uh, democracy index is a ranking of how well each state and locality runs its elections. Uh, this index would function as a rough equivalent of annual rankings of colleges and universities in the US News and World Report. It would also focus on the concrete issues that matter to all voters, like how long did you spend in line, how many ballots got discarded, and how well is the registration process working. Uh, would the U.S. benefit from a democracy index, and should we have one? 
Drea, would you like to start? Well, I think we would benefit, but also there would be some negative effects. Like, um, you would benefit, like, if you see your um, state high in the rankings, you would probably be like, oh, I could go out to vote, the line's not long, maybe I should just vote, it would be better for me to vote. But if your, if your state's low in the rankings, that means that you'd probably be like, oh, you're discouraged to vote. You're just like, oh, my state's lower in the rankings, maybe I shouldn't go vote, because it's like, the, the line is long and maybe I shouldn't. Um, I think some states would be, um, they would um, be more vo motivated to like, um, like actually improve their um, election process and just improve, but um, I think o overall it would have some uh, positive effects, but it would also have negative effects too. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Antonio? So I think with like instituting more so of that, I agree with, she was saying that yes there could be some positives too but also the downsides of it like she was saying the discouragement of it and it, it ultimately would depend on the rankings of the state as well because had it not been high enough and you see okay i think i can do this my voice will be heard it's gonna matter uh you know that would that's pretty encouraging however if it's lower the rankings as she was saying you could be like Meh. right now i'm not really thinking I'll feel heard. I, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. Lori, how do you feel about this? Um, I feel like it would have more of a positive effect over a negative effect. And I feel like either way, people will be more motivated to vote because just seeing like how their state is doing, if they're like doing more bad, I feel like it'll encourage them more actually. Okay, thanks. Ayla? Yeah, um, I think definitely there's so much um, uh, discouragement to vote already. Um, without the democracy index, I think that if one were put in place, obviously it might slightly encourage or, or discourage um, people to vote depending on your ranking, but I think ultimately that is the, a, a good way for states to recognize um, you know, how, how well their voting process works um, in elections, and I think that would be the way to improve it and um, with more improvement becomes more encouragement to vote. And so overall that would encourage you know, everyone to vote. Yeah, okay. So personally on this subject, I feel like I do see the downsides that like you will be discouraged if it's lower and, but I also think, yeah, you'll be encouraged if it's higher. And at the same time, it's also like accountability. So if you're like lower on the rankings, then, and you see that and everyone else sees that, it's like peer pressure. Peer pressure is not good, but it would, I feel like, encourage everyone else to maybe have a more secure voting and election system. So let's move on to our next one. In simple terms, gerrymandering is when districts are drawn to favor one political party over another. Is gerrymandering fair or unfair? Lori? I believe it is unfair based off of the definition because I feel like it's more like pressure to go with one side over the other and not really like forming your own opinion about something. Um, so yeah, I believe it's more unfair. Kayla? Um, yeah, I agree it's unfair. It's definitely, uh, drawing of districts is definitely, um, there's definitely some corruption involved. It all depends on who's drawing the district lines. Are they a nonpartisan group? Are they partisan? Um, and in that way they can, uh, draw based on minorities, um, uh, population-wise, or, like, race, um, gender, you know, or political parties. Um, sometimes it's good to, um, 
have lines be drawn in favor of minorities because if they're kind of in a lower percentage um, in each you know district or county uh, then their voice is never going to be heard because the majority is always going to win so it's not always good to have it if if there are you know 20 percent minorities in the entire state let's say and each district is drawn to have 20 percent minorities in each, in each district their voices are never going to matter so i think it's definitely important to have nonpartisan groups drawing the lines um you know to make it as uh, fair as possible i definitely agree with that i really like how you brought that up shreya would you like to comment um i i think that um it's unfair but also um like let's say you have a district and all of the districts in like new jersey are like 52 democrat and 48 like republican mm-hmm. um i do think that like and then all of them would get sent to there and there wouldn't be any like conversation about anything you would all be like the same view and i think maybe redrawing the district a little bit to let one of them win maybe out of like the five would be it would be better because then you would have actually some conversation it wouldn't just be one view okay okay because that's not what all people want it would be over by a little bit maybe like even if it's over by a little bit um it's not very fair to the other people who voted 48 Republican. That's a very valid point. Thank you for bringing that up. Antonio, would you like to speak on this? Yeah, I think it's definitely, it's very unfair given how it practically then eliminates healthy politics in the sense that there's no debating. With gerrymandering, it's extremely easy to go with just the crowd and follow them instead of form your own opinions and educate yourself on what you personally believe. And with that, you're eliminating the whole debate of politics, which I can understand people may not like it. However, yeah. it's extremely important to be educated on any topic and well-rounded in any verse of the po- political world. Um, ultimately, just for you know a better democracy. That's yeah. what our country runs on. We get our two sides, and with one side favoring, it's extremely hard to start to think for yourself. Yes, yeah, that's very interesting. Thank you for bringing that up. So. Now we're going to move on to a fact. The Democratic or Republican parties have won every presidential election since 1852. In a presidential election, do you believe a third party candidate will ever win again? Should our election system remain set up the way it is? And should our system, if it does suppress third parties, change? Kayla, would you like to speak on this? Sure. Um, So definitely some major changes need to happen in our um, in our uh, system uh, right now obviously there is definitely a two-party system in effect um, uh, not by law obviously but and it's becomes um, in my opinion a major problem because um, it kind of forces people to compromise their um, individual and unique political beliefs to um, fit with one party or the other um, and so in um, elections it's kind of it's very much uh, half and half whereas it's uh, you know so many times it's been like close to you know 50 49 51 percent um, in the eventual uh, results and you know that'll cause you know there's um, so much you know absolute like dislike for one party and um like for the other party 
where, you know, almost half the nation's going to be upset with the outcome and, you know, try to impose it and everything. And, um, and also in our uh, Congress, where there's very few um, independent third party um, representatives, it's a lot of just the, all the liberal, um, uh, you know, parties, whether third party or Democrat, and the same thing with the conservative ones, um, it's just really like just them facing off against each other. And whoever's in the minority is minority, um, is, uh, or sorry, majority is always going to be able to push their legislation through. Um, and unless the minority, you know, finds, um, you know, any uh, ways to stop that um, legislation in its base, and it just creates so much gridlock that, um, you know, nothing gets done, or it's very hard to get things done, uh, and it's very uh, a hostile kind of debate, um, you know, environment, which is not, which is never good for a government. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I. That's very valid point. Thank you for bringing that up. Shreya, would you like to? Um, I do think that there's um, there's a problem with our election system. Since the primary, um, the two primaries, the Democrats are voting for one candidate. I think there should be two, and also on the Republican side too. Because because uh, well because um, the Democrats and the Republicans are always going to vote for the most Republican or the most Democrat candidate, and you don't really get that. There's like a gray area there. There's not black and white. You have like people who are just like I don't want the most. Um, there's the right, there's right, and then there's left, and you have these um, a heavy right and a heavy left. So you, you're just like I wanted someone who's a little bit more in the middle area, not someone who's like very very democratic or very very Republican. Yeah. Um, therefore, like they put forth these um, very democratic and very Republican candidates, and I think there should be two. And um, for the uh, third party, I do think that um, there could be a third party president, but I was never informed about third parties. Like, I had to go out of my way to, like, know about these ideals, you know? Because, like, you never, in school, you never learn about, like, you only learn about Democrat and Republican. You don't learn about third parties. You don't learn about, like, third parties' ideals. You only learn about yeah. the Democrat and Republican. You don't learn about them, so you don't, you, to be honest, I didn't really know they were there for me to yeah. choose. Yeah, I agree with you. So, like, I never actually learned about third parties until I got to high school. And this point you bring up about the two candidates for each, I really like that you brought that up because I feel like that the third parties, like how you said, we don't really know about them until maybe we're older. And then by that time, we kind of have our ideals formed. So then having, like, two candidates, maybe having, like, you have that extreme candidate, but then you have a more moderate that will allow more people to identify with the candidate more. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, Lori, would you like to speak on this? Yes. So, with the question of if a third party would ever, like, become elected, I really don't think so, unless there's, like, a big change that happens with our system, because I feel like ever since, like, the Democrat and Republican parties have, like, kind of, like, shaped themselves, um, they, like, I don't see any like way that they would end up not becoming like as big as they are like you mentioned like heavy left heavy right and i think that like definitely represents what it is because even as of like recent events like people are so pushed to one side and i feel like they don't want to budge either and 
and I know people personally that they will just vote like based off of the party and not really based off of the person because I don't really know why but just because of like I guess like pressure with staying with that or because their family is like one side and they don't really want to like really research or like find anything of like research about the person that they're voting for or anything so yeah I just really don't think that like the any third parties will become like bigger unless we have any big changes to like our system okay thank you for bringing it out that's like a really valid point about how people politics are actually shaped and like how Shreya said like the lack of third party ideals yeah. so Antonio in regards to ever having a third party president there's going to need to be a lot of changes and also a complete shift in thinking among everyone else and it's but ultimately what's uh what it's going to take for that to happen is both parties are going to have to do something completely just right out of left field and really upset their people and their within their party in order for them to maybe start rethinking some of their ideologies especially in the sense to Kayla was touching on this earlier with having the label of the two-party system technically of the you know the democrat and the republicans it's very easy to conform yourself into thinking you might be a part of the party whereas you might really not be based upon your uh personal beliefs when you think about it like i i would consider myself part of the democratic party however with that said i also don't agree with decent amount of things that are within that party yeah. and some of the things that occur within and for like uh even with republicans too i know that some tend to be more right-leaning however they do have some more left-leaning views as well and when it comes to the actual voting process of that as well it's what you really should be doing it should be policy over party uh, yes you cannot just because the majority is going one way doesn't mean you need to follow them as well and that's where i think where the two-party system comes faulty because you're going to just go with how you identified as yourself earlier because you gave yourself that label and even though that label means nothing to us once you get in that position of casting your ballot you might feel a sense of pressure to be like am i going against myself am i going against my party am i like disowning them it's it lacks for individual thinking with the two-party system there's not enough time and like just there's not enough resources at that point to properly educate yourself on all the candidates wide verse which is why too um we don't know about the third-party system as well as we do with the two-party system because i'll be honest in the past election i didn't know the candidate's name until we actually saw the uh results being uh broadcasted on television and that's an issue yeah that that's a big issue <laughs> um and this is also going back to um, voter discouragement um where if say you're more democrat on more uh human rights issues but you're more um are you more liberal on um, human rights issues and more conservative on um, economic issues um you're going to be you know you're facing a tough decision um, you know which which is more important to me and um, 
Um, and people are, it, a lot of times in the past, especially in the past two elections, it's been, um, I'm voting for the less worse candidate, which I think is definitely a situation which is very problematic and you know not good. Um, and so a lot of people are um, just don't want to vote because they, they don't like either candidate. And that's part of the two-party system um, problem. Uh, whereas, you know, there might be, and, and also there, there might be a better candidate that they like um, uh, in a third party that is running, and they can vote for them, but a lot of people know that if you're voting for, um, you know, more leftist party, um, uh, but, you know, third party seven one since 1852, yeah. um, you're taking away votes from the Democratic Party, which is going to give the Republicans a leg up so people don't vote for don't vote third party um, because they think they're throwing away their vote, um, and, and that just forces more people into the two-party system. Exactly. So it's kind of a cycle, which is <coughs> and it's going to be really hard to break out of. Yeah, it's like yeah, as you said, like the lesser of two evils. And as Antonio said, you got to choose like the policy of the candidate. And I feel like if we like all did that, we'd definitely be able to maybe get a third-party candidate. Absolutely. Then like, in a way, I always actually like when I did learn about third parties when we got to high school was like oh I actually really do identify with this party way more right, than yeah. the, like the you know one of the two parties before and I was just like well but if I vote for them then I like I thought like that like that I'm taking my vote away from this and am I like in a way throwing away my vote am I right. like not actually participating yeah. and thank you for bringing that up because like I feel like that's a concept that's like we all kind of know but we don't ever really talk about so let's move on to the next part which is Another something I hope you guys will like take and bring to a conversation is should we abolish the Electoral College? Do you believe the Electoral College to be fair? Should we use the popular vote instead? And is there another system that you think would work better? So, Antonio, would you like to start? The elect uh, with the Electoral College being abolished, yes, that completely needs to go. I do believe that the popular vote should be used over the Electoral College because that's that's all the people that's that's everyone with the electoral college it kind of puts you in like this little box almost whereas you could vote one way however with the faithless ballots too that can come in later into play it's almost as if your electoral college vote at that point or what originally what uh the popular vote was in, within your state was it could switch with the faithless, faithless ballot which again was a complete it was only instituted to take away the power from the minorities again and both of those uh, systems the electoral college and faithless ballots votes need to go away um, in terms of adding a new system I would personally just say take the personal or take the popular vote because like I said earlier that's that's all the people the majority wants who they want and the numbers don't lie it's right there black and white Okay, very valid. Thank you for bringing that up. Shreya, would you like to continue? Um, I don't think we should abolish the Electoral College. Uh -huh. um, I actually do think that it's actually very important because it gives each state a voice, and I do think that um, it's very important. Also, if we would abolish it, then, the, then you have these big states, um, California, Texas, New York, 
they're all the big states with all the big populations, and um, the candidates would just focus on those issues, not nationwide issues. They would just focus on those um, states' issues, like wildfires in California. It's people just like, oh, they're 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 campaigning with wildfires, like as a as an issue. Maybe I should vote for them, and California would mostly give all their votes for them, and they would forget about like the little states like Rhode Island and like just the, all the little states there that also have other issues that need to be heard. Okay, okay. So I see. So you're talking about how they um, bigger states or states with more population, larger populations, their problems we prioritized over smaller states. Well, Antonio is saying how like the electoral college like leaves out all these other people. Like say, I'm not saying that the popular vote isn't important. I'm just saying that the electoral college also is important too. Okay, I get that. I get that. I like I like how you like brought up the whole um, the issues part. How their issues be bigger. That's a very valid reason. Thank you for reading that up, Lori. Would you like to continue? Yes. So, I'm honestly split between this because as much as each state should have like an equal say, uh, like regardless of their population. Um, it's also not, like, 100% fair because, like, some people's voices aren't really heard as well. Um, but with, like, just, if we just had the popular vote, then it would just take away from, like, like, the equality of all the states because, you know, like, you brought up, like, Texas is a huge state, a huge population, and compared to, like, Rhode Island, it's just, like, is Rhode Island really being hurt then? Because, like, with how big the states are, like, it just kind of takes away from them. Um, and as far as, like, creating a new way to, like, vote, um, I, like, really don't know because, like I said, like, we need to be able to, like, have each state have like an equal voice but also not take away from like individual voices inside of the states and also um i feel like um a lot of states have different issues um so this isn't like completely related but like stuff that's going on in like california isn't the same as what's going on here in new jersey so it's just like there's a lot like going on with that because like I don't really know but um like each state I feel like there should be a way to like kind of like vote based on like maybe like like your state or like just like your area that you're in and not like with the whole entire country yeah okay that's if that makes sense yeah I get that I'm actually like you I'm actually split on that so the whole um you have like a new idea for a system idea was like i'm kind of like maybe we should use the electoral college as a deciding factor but also use the popular vote so then you have who like it's best of three but then we'd also need like a third deciding factor which i don't i feel like that would actually work it fix a lot of i don't know if there's like a divide between people on that but then there's also like what would that third factor be because then people will probably have like why is that one deciding factor type thing so, Kayla, what do, how do you feel about this? Okay. It was super interesting. I didn't even think about, you know, having, like, a third kind of option there. Um, personally, I think, uh, with what you guys were talking about, about how smaller states, if they got rid of the Electoral College, you know, would have less of a voice, their, you know, their votes wouldn't matter as much. 
Um, I think that's st it's still the case with the Electoral College because some states have, you know, three electoral votes um, where, you know, some states have over 20 and uh, candidates are campaigning more in those bigger states so they get um, more electoral votes. So there's certainly not a, um, you know, a simple way to um, kind of fix that. Same thing in the Senate. If they all have equal representation in the Senate, um, but then there's um, more people with um, more opinions in California um, that only two people get to represent, whereas in um, you know Rhode Island, there's much less people, um, or much fewer people uh, to represent, and less opinions, because um, there's a smaller population, um, and they have the exact same amount of representation as uh, bigger states like California. Um, but with the Electoral College, I think, um, ideally, for me, um, I want to abolish it, but I think it, that's going to be super hard to do because we've, you know, we've been trying, um, but obviously there's a lot of pushback, obviously, that's why it's such a controversial um, topic, but I think um, a good middle ground would be for every state to split their electoral votes. Um, um, I think two or three states do that already, and I just, um, you know, in my mind that's like, oh, obviously, because if... Um, 20 states, if, if so, if in the state it's 49% Democrat or 49% Republican, 51% Democrat, um, and the Democrats get 20 electoral votes um, for only 51% of their population uh, voting, um, and so that just kind of um, disregards kind of the Republican votes, um, and um, it also leads to more voter discouragement. Because if, if, say, if you're in New Jersey and you're a Republican, um, it's, it's going to be pretty certain that our state's going to go blue. Um, so what's, what's even the point of voting if, um, my, if my electoral votes are just going to go to the other party? So it's, I think split, um, splitting our electoral votes is the next step, absolutely. And it's going to be easier than getting rid of the electoral college, certainly, on, um, for both sides. That's a really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. We're going to go to a next question. So this one actually kind of connects more to our last election. And the question is, what are your positions on mail-in ballots? Are they safe and reliable? Do you think they lead to voter fraud? Shreya, would you like to start off? Um, I think, I think, I think mail-in ballots are, I think mail-in ballots are very good. Um, I think they're really, I think they're reliable and safe too. And, um, what's the last question? I'm very sorry. Oh, um, do they lead to voter fraud? Um, no. No? I don't think so. Um, actually, I think that probably, um, will probably be, like, more, what is it, like, like, I think they're safe and reliable, and, like, people saying they're not safe and reliable, I don't think that's, like, because you actually, like, you check what candidate you're going for, and, like, the actual, like, like, voting thing, or voting, like there could be malware or something. You don't know, like if your vote's going to that person. But with the mail-in ballot, you checked it off. You know it's going to that person. I think it's safe and reliable. Okay. Antonio, how do you feel about this? I agree. I, I would consider mail-in ballots to be a reliable source of voting, especially how prevalent it was in uh, this election as well, with 
the pandemic happening and maybe not wanting to go out and wait in the lines to go cast your vote, it was nice to have that option of the mail-in ballots, especially because they're sent to you, which you're then really going to receive that, uh, uh, the voting ballot, because say maybe you haven't voted in the past elections because you didn't want to go out. The mail-in ballot comes, you have it in front of you, you then can vote. I think if almost if every American was given an American uh, uh, voting ballot, I would definitely say uh, pretty confidently too that our voting rates would go skyrocket because simply people all people really just don't like going out, <laughs> especially when it comes to the uh, political views and stuff. Whereas I think if they get their own ballot in the comfort of their own house, maybe they don't need to go out. It's going to encourage them to cast their ballot once again so their voice is heard. And that's how we get from a very small uh, outcome of votes to an exponential growth in voting. So I would consider the mail-in ballot to be pretty safe and reliable and also very encouraging to vote as well. So you're, like, saying that even, like, mail-in ballots are not, like, bad at all. They're, like, actually... In the opposite, they're not even neutral. They're actually good. They promote and encourage voting. I would consider them too. Yes. Okay. Okay, that's good, Kayla. Um, yeah, I definitely, I agree. Um, mail-in ballots are definitely a safe and reliable way of um, voting, and a lot more convenient for people, which would encourage people to vote. Yeah. Um, I think all the discourse um, uh, about the past election and um, uh, fraudulent ballots um, is just. Um, uh, for political reasons, um, you know, we trust um, the, our um, post offices to with you know our mail every day, and we we don't question you know if our you know the checks we get in the mail or our, our money being sent in the mail. We don't question if if um, they're being sent to the wrong people because um, they're usually not, or or being intercepted or anything. And um, just because um, uh, you know false information is being spread about this is because one side doesn't want to, uh, wants to win the election and wants to raise more questions about it, um, make it seem more uh, uh, in, invalid results um, are coming out. And so I think it's definitely um, driven for political reasons. And I think, yeah, mail-in ballots are certainly um, definitely a, a good way to, you know, cast your vote um, and it's yeah it's just all the all the false information coming in is um, making people question what they haven't questioned before um, yeah so what I'm actually worried about with mail-in ballots is if like like I heard that some people had theirs thrown out because like they were filled out wrong so like I, I'm afraid that like as you said like it's good it encourages voting I'm afraid that even though it will encourage voting that maybe that like all these people's votes will be thrown out how do you like Lori like you haven't spoken yet would how do you mm. feel about that um so I just wanted to kind of go back to what Kayla was saying about um like I don't remember exactly what you said but like um I remember during the last election there was a lot of um things being said about the ballots um like what you said like they were getting thrown out because they weren't filled in right I also saw they were like thrown in a river or something. Um, 
I saw that dead people were voting. Um, like, their names were put in, but they were, like, they passed away. Um, and I really don't know if that's true or not. I don't believe it to be true, but I know there was a lot of, like, false information spread about the ballots. So I feel like that part of it um, really discourages people from voting, like, doing the mail-in ballots. Um, so I feel like that also circles back to, like, just, like, the media and the way that, like, you know, like, the conservative side portrays, like, the, uh, like, liberal side and vice versa. And I feel like there's really, like, no way that's gonna stop ever because, like, again, with, like, the two-party system, like, they always wanna make the other side look bad. Yeah. Um, but, like, the idea of mail-in ballots is I think it's very good because a lot of people like don't want to go out and it's just more convenient for them sorry, sorry. I oh, oh are you, sorry yeah. just like one last thing so I feel like if there's a way to do it where people knew that their vote was actually going through and that like nothing would happen to it then I feel like it would be like an awesome way to just get everyone's voice heard I like I agree with you on the um I blank, but um yeah, let's move on. So, <laughs> <laughs> this bill establishes new criteria for determining which states and political subdivisions must obtain pre-clearance before changes to voting practices may take effect. Pre-clearance is the process of receiving pre-approval from the Department of Justice or the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia before making legal changes that would affect voting rights. What are your thoughts on the H.R. 4, John R. Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act of 2021? Kayla, would you like to start? Sure. Um, I'm not super knowledgeable about this, so I won't talk a lot, but um, I definitely think it's a good um, kind of a safeguard for legislation being passed, um, uh, you know, uh, changing voting rights, obviously. Um, I think it's really interesting the, um, the numbers they set for um, uh, for how many violations um, of voting rights there has to be in the past 25 years, um, and uh, in one of the options, uh, when there were fewer just overall violations, some of them, some of the violations had to be by the state government, which I think is super interesting. But I think it's definitely, I don't know very much about um, uh, kind of uh, changes in uh, voting rights laws and statewide certainly. Um, but I think it's always a good, uh, like I said, safeguard to um, to make sure we're not, you know, being swayed by, you know, the political party that's in power. Okay. okay. Thank you for speaking on that. Yeah. Uh, Antonio. She basically said that verbatim for what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I'm also uh, not very uh, fully knowledgeable with on this topic, but. Uh, as Kayla was saying, I too believe that it would be a really good safeguard, and she was right with the uh, voting violations. Like that's so that some of them need to be uh, state or like uh, state mandated. State mandated. I think that's really interesting. However, I'm very curious to see the advancement of voting rights now yeah. with how this will turn out. Thank you, Antonio. Shreya, would you like to comment? Um, actually, she, um, she actually got what I said. Um, I also think it's a really, <laughs> I think it's a really um, good way to make sure the state's not doing anything random with voting rights, um, with the voting rights, and um, 
I also think it's um, really good to make the, the government needs to make sure that they're, they're the state's doing what's right for the people, and I think it's really, I, I just think it's a really good, I just think it's really good film. Oh, thank you, Shia. <laughs> Lori? I have to agree because I just don't know a lot about it or anything, so I have to agree with them. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Kayla, for speaking, and everyone for agreeing with Kayla. <laughs> yeah. um, thank well, you. Would you like me to give the, the other side? Yes, sure. give the other side. Okay, thank you. Sure. Well, and not kind of. So, um, <laughs> so you know, the also problem could be um, slowing things down with... Um, uh, you know, we in progr the progression of voting rights um, for minorities now that you know we've been pushing for for you know decades. Um, but uh, for one, a lot of those need to happen on the federal level, which um, this um, act doesn't concern very much. It's more state and county level. But also, um, if it's going by the number of violations, there have been plenty of violations in the past <laughs> 25 years. Um, and far enough back for it to, um, for the state to be able to make those changes. So I think um, it might be, uh, you know, if there's um, opposition to, you know, uh, you know, increasing voting rights um, uh, and opportunities for minorities, um, uh, there's opposition to that. Um, uh, it might be, um, it might be hard to kind of, uh, you know, with corruption and everything, find. Um, uh, you know, evidence for those violations, but I think um, there, you know, can always <laughs> you can you can find them because they've happened. So um, I think there it might uh, slow it down in that way, but I think o overall it's gonna you know yeah. help with the advancement of voting rights and you know yeah yeah. So um, just take it back to mail-in ballots for a second. Um, I really think so there's like all this these new policies and like laws that people are trying to get through like regarding voting rights and like you know due to like the big um mail-in ballots for the last election and how like Oz Lori was like spoke a lot about on the fraud and the fraud not the fraud sorry the um <laughs> false information going around about ballots and voting and everything um I just feel like since this, um, this is like, it literally is in the title, a Voting Advancement Act, that we did take a step back with voting this election, like, you know, information-wise, but I feel like this Advancement Act and then any other ones are definitely going to help. So thank you, everyone, for being here today. You're um, thank you for listening and watching. <laughs>